Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. We just got set up in the middle of this bedding thicket. Oh, saving this spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. <laughs> It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right over there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to Wiped Out Legacy. Uh, still on the air. <laughs> uh, we got Cade and Brandon from Scrape Stick. We met these guys at ATA, kicked it off with him, them, and uh, they gave us their product spiel, and we liked it a lot. We could see us using it, and we could see the convenience of it for a lot of our listeners that we know. Um, we wanted to have them come on and uh, talk about their product a little bit, and also... They run a lot of scrapes. They get a lot of trail camera pictures on scrapes. Um, they had a client kill a 204 off a scrape. So they have a lot of knowledge about that. So we dive in on scrape tactics um, and then also dive in on the product and how it enhances scrapes and it makes it more convenient um, using scrapes. So we're going to get into our partners. 
And we'll start with a title partner, the VIP Veteran Broadhead. I want to shout out Molly Ogden. I hope I didn't murder her name, but she just got it done on a a doe late season. Um, way to tough it out there, Molly. It's probably cold. Yeah, it was right before up. Polar Vortex. Yeah, so. I think it was Tuesday night, Monday yeah. night, the the week before. Said about she's shooting fifty six pounds, is twenty yards, went seventy five yards and crashed. So, uh, congrats to you for filling the freezer, and congrats to you for doing it late season. That's yeah, that's uh, pretty sweet. She sat longer than I probably would have nah, on nah, that. I'll yeah. tell you that. So, homie's got the VIP veteran broadhead shout out. This week's VIP veteran broadhead shout out is Patrick Cornish. Uh, he was tagged in our Facebook post, and he was a formal, former hospital corpsman at the United States Marine Corps. So, Patrick, uh, everybody here at Whitetail Legacy salutes you. Everybody from the VIP family and Matt and Cindy appreciate your service. All right, we're getting to scent lock. Um, I was in the hotel the past couple weeks. I will use the Oz 100 in there, and I'll tell you what. If you ever go into a hotel and it just has that funky smell, bro. I mean, I know you've been in one and oh, it's yeah. been like that. And you're like, I don't know what this is, but I'm not really digging it. I ran that Oz 100, wiped it out. So the Oz line is good, not just for hunting, man, but it's good for anything. And I really tested it out, running it while I was at work and coming back. And I'm like, man, it just smells fresh in here. So I, I, it really shined this week out of season. You know what I mean? More right. than I thought I would use it. So. Right. Let's get into ECW calls. They're going to be at Elmwood this year. We're going to be there. They got back-to-back boosts with Ingram. So if you guys want to, you're local and you heard about ECW calls and you want to come check us out at the show, uh, we'll be there uh, probably playing with some turkey calls. Yep. Uh, probably buying a couple <laughs> and uh, just just talking deer hunting with people. And uh, I'm going to tell them that, right, I'm not, I'm not a big, like, this product made it for me or not, but I did grunt on an ECW call right before Mr. Freeze come in. So just shouting that out. I probably will showcase that buck with an ECW call because it, it was in it was in my bag when it happened. For so, sure. Talk about Ingram's outdoor obsession. Uh, went up there. Dude put in some work on a shop, man. Yeah. Next level. Went next level on the organization. Uh, and he's really starting. He's really starting to pump out the bucks now. Um, should be able to release some some buck picks. Of some mouths. Yeah. Uh, I know one deer's done. Yeah, I know one deer's done. Freaking crushed it. If no one's got a full sneak out there, I highly suggest. Oh yeah. Getting a so full I was sneak. telling the wife, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to get one like that now. Yeah. And she's like, You're gonna get one like this? It looks dumb. I'm like, No, I'm. I'm probably gonna get one. Yeah, I'm getting one. I, I like it a lot. Yeah, it it looks it looks way better. Yeah, you just so much. He just nailed so much detail in the throat and the ear, like how the ears are folded back, and mm-hmm. he he crushed it on that one. So, oh, that's it, right? Yeah. Oh, nice. All right. Yep. We're gonna talk to Cade and Brandon, spreading a lot of knowledge about scrapes. Hoping to have these guys back on. <laughs> yeah here soon when they if they can get time in their schedule to do kind of a 
we did their product podcast. We kind of want to do a fun with that one with them because uh, they went out west elk hunting DIY and had quite the experience. So we're hoping to showcase that story with you guys uh, here coming soon. So we hope you guys enjoy the show. And don't forget about the giveaway in this one. We'll be running that through our Facebook page. That's why he's here, to remember the stuff that I forget. <laughs> yeah, big thank you to Cade and Brandon. Uh, we didn't expect a giveaway like that, but they want to reach out and say thank you for letting them come on and uh, give our listeners and our followers uh, kind of a giveaway to spread their page and ours. So we can't thank them enough for doing that. And uh, we hope to uh, give them some content, too, if they're going to send one our way. Uh, hopefully get some trail cam pictures for them and stuff. So. For sure. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it, and uh, here we go. All right, guys, we got Brandon and Cade on from Scrape Stick. How you guys doing tonight? Doing pretty good. Doing, doing well. Good. Yeah, appreciate you guys having us on. Um, you know, like Cody said, uh, my name's Cade Hoppenworth with Scrape Stick, and uh, I've got my partner here. Brandon Medlin. Thanks for having us. Cade, that's a pretty sweet name. It is. Yeah. That's nice. So. I feel like that could be a Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah, it could be. <laughs> is, is is that? I've gotten that feedback. Yeah. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Uh, go ahead and talk about maybe how long you guys been hunting, and uh, do you guys hunt together a lot or separate or? Yeah. So um, this is Cade. Uh, so we're, we live here in Iowa, northeast Iowa, in the corner. Um, I've pretty much started hunting traditionally with my family back when I was probably started in middle school. I'd say guessing that's what, like 13, 14 years old, uh, deer hunting. Before that, I mean, I was avid, always, you know, pheasant hunting, duck hunting, all of that stuff. But then kind of middle school, getting into high school, you know, we started shotgun hunting. I mean, traditional deer hunting, I think in a lot of families is your, uh, you shotgun hunt. Um, and then for me, from there, that passion really started to drive once I got introduced to bow hunting, um, probably middle high school at that point. It seemed like the whole bow hunting industry at that point really started taking off as well. Um, and then it just, I just, I couldn't get enough of it. Uh, skipping class in college, driving up an hour um, to northeast Iowa to jump in a tree during rut. And that's just my mind just was all around trail cameras, uh, deer hunting and figuring out behaviors of deer um, and to where we are today, I guess. Um, so that's 20 years now, I guess, of deer hunting. Yeah, it so, sounds like me and, me and you would get along real good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, guys, Brandon here. Um, you know, my, my story's not going to be that much different than Cade's. I think, you know, in Iowa, it is pretty normal. I think at that time we grew up, I mean, we're in our middle 30s now, and, um, you know, shotgun hunting was the easiest way to get into the sport and a lot of our families <clears throat> were doing that at that time and and um kate and i actually we didn't even meet till about five six years ago we started a, a non-profit organization together and, and we call it impact outdoors and uh, that kind of brought kate and i together but um you know we've spent we spent some time in the field i would say today usually it's you know, we're pretty territorial in Iowa in our, in our spots where we hunt. I know Kate has got a lot of money invested into his farms, um, but he's been really good about always giving me the invite, but maybe I need to take up his offer more often. So we probably spend more time trying to chase coyotes late season on his farms than we do deer hunting together. But each of us, you know, we've got our farms in northeastern Iowa that we hunt. Um, bow hunt, you know, bow hunting for me has become – 
probably my number one thing. And, you know, while we grew up hunting all these other, this other game, it's, it's truly, uh, truly our passion. Yeah. Oh, so, and the other aspect of that too is, um, you know, when you're talking family and friends and the deer hunting aspect of it, if, even if we don't hunt together per se, you share tactics, ideas, you know, you show your buddies, you pull your phone up, show your trail camera pictures. I mean, it's just like this common, you know, topic that you're always talking about with all of your friends and family. Um, you know, and kind of a back note, too, is you talk about, you know, how you grew up hunting, and I'm sure I'm like everybody else where, you know, when you started hunting shotgun season, you know, for us, you have to wear your orange, but we'd meet for breakfast in the morning, you know, smelling like fried bacon and eggs, and we'd go directly to the deer stand. We didn't know anything about scent control, None of that stuff. We'd literally go out and shimmy up a tree and sit there on a on a two by four wedged in a the trunk or a, tr- a bee of a tree kind <laughs> yeah. of thing. And, you wonder how and anybody got just, it done. Huh? No, but then you start to get consumed with it a little bit, and you start to just educate yourself, and you're continuously growing. And here we are in our thirties today, and we're still learning and growing. Uh, and just I think that's the fun of the the aspect of the sport is that chess match that you're having out there with with the game, and if you're really big into management or not. Or if you're a meat eater, you know, we respect it all at the end of the day. You know, we're not one telling anybody that they shouldn't shoot anything or whatever it may be. That's all personal preference and, and what your availability is, time is, and, and what your experience with hunting is, I guess. so. Sure, that's what we always say. It's, it's a never-growing addiction because you can never know everything. And you can never be, you know, you can't be as good as a whitetail. You know what I mean? So... That's why me and Homie get addicted to it. Uh, we like a challenge, and this is the most challenging thing that we've ever done. You know, as growing up, we were kind of the same way. Started out small game and went to deer, and here we are trying to trying to shoot deer every year. But sometimes we don't always get there. <laughs> yeah, uh, you're not alone. Everybody, it's always funny. You know, we are at ATA, and you got everybody comes up and like, "Where y'all from?" Like Iowa, the land of the giants. You know, and it's like, well, wait a second. You know, because I don't shoot a deer every year, and it's surely not over 150 inches every year when I do. You know, we, we do got some big deer in Iowa, but, you know, we do got to work for it. Um, I think we are privileged to be in this state. You know, it's, it's the conservation has yeah. been great. The but, DNR has done a, an amazing job with the management of, of our system. You know, unfortunately for how the staters, you know, it takes on average, what, three to four years to draw a tag. Um, even if you're a landowner, you're not, you're not privileged to a tag as well. And then the other aspect, too, is we don't have a firearm season during rut, um, which also I think assists with allowing big bucks to, to or I should just say bucks in general, to, to enable them to get to, yeah, to get to a mature age. Yeah. Um, but I would say Iowa's probably similar to other states, so that the average buck harvested is probably still under three and a half years old, you know, so, you know, to try to push to get deer to four and a half, five and a half, and like the celebrities try to do, you know, to those older ages still is is somewhat a task and, and a challenge in itself so yeah i definitely like the gun season being outside the rut it is a little later but you know just like you said it gives everybody a chance to do what they want to do and uh let them deer mingle around a little bit yeah exactly uh what's your guys's personal opinion on the one buck you guys are liking that i'm taking it the what the one buck yeah um, well, so I'm a landowner in Iowa. So in Iowa right now, even as a non-landowner, you have 
the ability to buy one bow tag and then one gun season tag. Okay. And then as a landowner, you're able to buy an additional gun tag as well. So, you know, we do have options that, you know, you can technically shoot up to two bucks a year, um, you know, one with bow, one with gun. Um, and then as a landowner, you have just a few extra abilities to, to purchase an additional tag. So, I see. That's good knowledge. I didn't know that. I thought it was two two bucks and then, but just one with a bow, one with a gun. Learning stuff already. We're only six minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so you guys are the scrape stick guys. So I know we got some knowledge on scrapes. Uh, so let's go ahead and dig into that. So the, around here, me and homie were talking about this. We see a lot of videos of like scrapes in the summertime and you know, velvet bucks hitting them. So when, when do you guys put out your scrapes? That's a great question, and we get asked that all the time. When do you guys start putting them out? You know, traditionally, or, you know, we like to start putting them out in July, towards the end of July. That's the same time frame where guys are out building their food plots and planting those fall plots if it's turnips and radishes and, and maybe planting some fall clover or something. Um, so it's, it's a great time to also start those licking branch or mock scrape sites. A, gets the deer familiar with them. Um, kind of, you know, when you put something brand new in a deer's territory, that may be a little uneasy, you know, so sometimes user experiences are a little different, but if you get that out nice and early, you know, by the time September 1st or September 10th in the Midwest, there's a lot of times when those bucks are starting to break away from the, their bachelor groups and they, you know, essentially they've shed their velvet, they start breaking away from bachelor groups and their testosterone levels are starting to increase at that point. And what's happening then is deer are starting to nonverbally communicate using scrapes and licking branches to disperse scent. Um, and then as pre-rut, you know, starts to uh, approach, you know, you're talking into the first part of October, middle of October, end of October, and into November, um, pre-rut to rut, that scrape activity really, really, really starts to rev up in the fact that scrape sites are amazing it's an amazing tactic to understand and pattern deer, inventory them, and, you know, try to position them, I guess, to harvest as well. So so for us, I guess, in a roundabout question, we start in July. But, you know, with that being said, though, you know, research has shown that deer technically do use licking branches all year. It's just the frequency really revs up in that pre-rut to rut stage of things. So it's yeah, easy. I would say oh, best ever put out were that you know we're no biologists, right? And I don't think any of us would ever say we we ever. I don't think there's anybody that has the the perfect um, paper on deer and how they you know use the nonverbals and what are they really getting out of the rubs or the scrapes and you know. But I do you know we have read and there's been a lot of studies that show eighty percent of the scraping that's happening right is happening through that pre rut the post rut now. There's a post that we just put on our page. I think the jury put it out. We reshared it. You know, here it is. Uh, we're moving into February, and there's, you know, a, a scrape site that's getting triggered again through the deer. So it's clear they use them throughout the year. The licking branches, is we don't really familiarize ourselves with them as much when we're out in the woods in off-season because we don't see the scrapes as much. Um, but to Kate's point, you know, deer, it is proven. Deer still use those throughout the entire year as a way to continue to communicate with each other. Yeah, I was on public late January, and um, one of the major feed fields, they leave some standing crop. There's a couple giant open scrapes 
uh, and the, the you know in the snow they stuck out like sore thumbs and oh I bet I was like man that's they're still hitting scrapes it's you know January eighteenth or it was close to yeah, the last so, day you know, yeah so to, to also come back to scrapes you know in, in traditional hunting terms or thought processes you know, us as hunters we go out to the field right and we try to go locate those scrapes first right so we have to go and find figure out where the deer are using and making them and then we have to we get positioned by what the deer are dictating essentially right so we go out and we get to this open ag field and we're walking down the fence line we notice hey there's five nice scrapes in a row i'm gonna put a trail camera here and see what deer are using them right so that's that's traditionally the deer positioning us or we're having to to move to where they're going to be and what they're currently doing um but you know as hunters have realized is you know you putting a trail camera over a scrape is a fantastic way to basically inventory the deer that are most likely home range deer and are using that area, especially pre-rut, you know, that's September or October. But come November um, or even late October, you're starting to get those those bucks that are wandering and doing that big loop, you know, where they're, maybe they're, they're stretching out five miles and they're, they're doing a big loop to see the does or what does are coming into heat in the area. And so it's a great way to, to, to monitor what new bucks are, are coming into your area or at least bring them to a focal point from your camera. Yeah, for sure. We we uh, ran cameras over a couple scrapes this year and had pretty good luck. Had them hitting them really early in the daylight in the morning, which was yep. really weird to us. We, you know, it was like October fifteenth or sixteenth, and he was there on a frosty morning refreshing that scrape. And uh, this is the first year we really ran them over, like not like field edge scrapes, like security cover scrapes, and uh, just pretty much left them run for months at a time until we went and hunt just to get that you know, post-season evidence of what actually is happening on that scrape. And we had a ton of does hit that security cover one, just an insane amount. More does than bucks, I'd say. That's interesting. Must be, you know, and, um, you know, traditionally, you get a lot of activity through the night. You know, a lot of pictures you'll get through the night. Um, or early morning, you know, right at, at, at uh, sunrise. Will be one of the most activities will happen, it seems like. Excuse me. Um, but that's not to say, you know, after a front comes in or a rainstorm and those deer get up off their beds that they're going to go back out and refresh in the scrapes. Um, and an easy way to put it, you know, we say this all the time, um, you know, what scrapes are is essentially it's a fire hydrant for dogs. You know, it's the easiest way to put it is that's a communication zone or a communication site that, Bucks and does, they all come and they disperse set and they come back and they check it on a regular basis. And a lot of you start to pattern some of their movements, maybe how frequent they're coming back to that area. And then you can start to build some hunting strategy around that. Um, you know, from personal experience, the last two years, um, early season, this was October, and in Iowa, there's a week-long early muzzleloader tag that's usually around that October 15th. And at that point, scrapes are really ideal because what it ended up happening is both the two bucks I've harvested the last two years, those bucks literally were hitting the same scrape every day within an hour of each other for five days straight. And then here we are leading into the first opening day of muzzleloader season. Guess where I'm going to sit? I'm going to go sit over that scrape. That same buck has literally hit five days in a row. And here we go. We're sitting there in two hours into my hunt. 
for the last two years, guess who shows up? That same buck. So I harvested a 163-inch 10 this year, and it was a 152-inch uh, 9-point last year. So Damn. Yeah. Crushing so, some, I mean, some nice ones. Literally, you can pattern deer in their movements and the frequency based off of scrape activity. So... I don't know if this is on our topic list here, but so you're, I'm, I'm assuming you're running trail cameras over them to know that they're using the scrape. So how often are you checking them and you to where you can notice that the deer aren't changing their routine? Because I feel like a scrape is an area that they're going to be like smelling heavily in. You know what I mean? So that's like me and homie. We're really like careful on scent control and how many times we check it so what what would be a good rule of thumb you think if you got a, yeah, that's a great question a um so just and this just from my personal experience um i move all my cameras they're either positioned over food plots um and then we create a scrape in front of the camera um and and so half my cameras are all cell based so i can just monitor them from my phone and the other are, you know, your Brownings of the world and, and just regular standalone cameras that I place out. And then I just typically, if I'm up hunting or every three weeks, maybe go check it out. Um, you know, and that's, that's the frequency. I like to check them. I don't like to get in there too often where I'm leaving a bunch of scent behind. But I'm more focused, too, on easy entry and, and uh, getting in and out, essentially, uh as easy as possible so I'm not bumping the deer and they're not getting educated on my patterns then at that point. You know, if I'm constantly walking into an area, well, you know, a mature buck's probably going to start to leave that area if yeah. they're constantly getting bumped and smelling human scent all the time. Yeah, that's something we changed this year. We completely changed the access, and I think that's why we were so successful. Is, I mean, we didn't even – some of my stands I knew we couldn't access – this is the first year that I realized I'm like, well, you can't even go to that stand. <laughs> so I didn't even hunt at one time. So <laughs> I just need to go take it down and move it. But that that is key. I think even people think access to your stands, but you also got to think access to your cameras as well. So, yeah, so you know, really, actually, to, to segue almost into our product, I guess, is, you know, so what is Scrape Stick, right? You know, some people are probably wondering what is it, you know. So essentially what we've done is, We've recreated the ability to place a mock scrape anywhere. So we've created a device where it could literally be mounted to a tree or strapped to a tree or, or screwed to a wooden post, but probably 70% of our users, they like the functionality where you can literally just place it over top of a metal T-post. So if you've got a four-acre open field that you're hunting on a field edge, and you've got your camera shooting out into that field edge, you know, how do you get those deer to draw into that one focal point right in front of your camera? Um, because they're going to come out in that field and feed. Well, how do you bring them, you know, 10 yards in front of your camera so you get nice pictures, you can start to, to pattern them and, and track them? Well, the ability to just pound a T-post and literally recreate uh, a mock scrape right in front of your camera um, creates that a nice communication post. So essentially our product allows you to place a licking branch. So you literally cut a branch um, out in your woods and you can place it in a device and then adjust it to the, the appropriate height, which would be about four feet off the ground. Have you noticed any more success of what type of branch that you use? Um, that is a common question. And, it's, and we've always kind of just told people, I think the great thing about our product 
is it creates ultimate user, um, you know, functionality or just the user can determine what they want to use. Personally, I like to use oak or bur oak, specifically bur oak, because a oak oak limbs or oak trees they hold their leaves extremely long, and a bur oak is more of a a hardy wood, but it, it's very durable. It's just not going to snap. So it, it, it's a great licking branch uh, or a type of tree that when you place that, the deer can thrash it. They, they can nibble on it, bite on it, pull down on it. It's just not going to snap right away. But also the ability to hold its leaves longer create a nice visual mass. So if a buck comes out in that field, they just they visually see it right away, and then they walk right towards it, um, and they just naturally take it over at that point. Now, Brandon, he, he likes to use other types of branches as well. <clears throat> yeah, so I, you know, personally, I like, I have a lot of cedar trees in the area, and, and cedars is, you know, I think most of us know there's a lot of flexibility to them, and those needles, they hang on for quite a while as well, and so I've had a lot of success with it. I will say this, I've not had a branch not work. You know, in the early days of us launching this product, there was a lot of testing, um, you know, with different branches, and it was not just to see what the deer liked, but also to make sure that, you know, our device was going to be able to work with all different types of branches, you know, and, and when people do see the product, there's that metal jaw tooth that uh, we did create. It's got two points of contact on it, really bites into them. You know, some branches over time, right, are, are going to, you know, fray and fall apart much sooner than others, so um, that's kind of the story behind our jaw tooth and the way we designed it, but you know, but during that process, you can't help but notice, like, gosh, there's not a branch that's not working. You know, I mean, the deer, um, I always say, whatever's natural to your area, go out. I mean, you know what branches they're using today in your area and uh, cut down something that's similar to what they're used to and what they're, you know, what they're using today and slide it in. And to case point, we have the adjustable arm. You don't have to move the device up and down on a T-post. That arm is slick. You know, it's you just take our knob, you loosen it. Just it's no different than a flagpole holder, right? And then you just go ahead and adjust it so that it's at the right angle. Yeah. Um, but the key here is really that jaw tooth. Um, I think that's made a big difference for us. The height of that branch, I would I would say more than the type of branch, but the height of what yeah. that branch hangs is so crucial. Um, you know, we've had some guys they'll send us pictures, and I'd make one recommendation is to drop your branch. You're about two feet too high. They've got it angled where that branch is like six feet off the ground. Well, a deer is relatively, you know, when you're thinking where their head level is, where their eye level is, it's four feet off the ground. That branch, to get that ideal height, really needs to be four feet and not really any higher. So and we, uh, we say that being in the Midwest, too. Yeah, we understand, you know, deer are going to change in size as you get down to the south, southeast, where we're at in the Midwest. You know, I mean, it really comes down to know your deer, know the height, you know, that's ideal for your area, but four feet to Kate's point, that's really the baseline we always recommend with everybody. That's that's that middle of the ground area, and if you need to, drop it down a little bit. Um, really, are we encouraging people to raise it? Usually people have a, uh, they're challenged out of the gate usually by putting it too high. So, but four feet's a good, good, good way of, uh, general rule of thumb, I guess, is, you know, the best we would say there. I think that's the great thing about your product and why we, we like it is because we are just talking about access. You know, sometimes you might want to put a camera somewhere, like you said, on a field, and a farmer comes by and he's running a combine, so all the limbs are 25 foot tall, you know, so he can get yep. his combine through there. You can literally drive a T-post and put a scrape right where you want it and where you can have perfect access. Or if you're living in Georgia and all you got is pines, 
like you said, it's not some it's not some manufactured branch that you're selling with it. You use something in your woods that's natural to them already. That's going to hold yeah. scent just like anything else would, and you can adjust it to whatever area you're at. Because I mean, I think that's perfect. But the access selling point is is really cool for us because there's spots like up there, like up there where we're going to put the food plot on Booner Towns North. If you wanted to do it anywhere on that creek draw up there on the north side of that, you couldn't do it. You couldn't put a scrape there because there's no trees. Right. You know what exactly. I mean? So, but yep. it's a perfect place because we can drive our truck right there. Instead of taking yep. the left and driving way down there, we could drive the truck right there and get the access that we need. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. It is all scenario-based for people. And, you know, we get asked that a lot. People would always tell us, like, well, I hunt it. You know, we're deep in the woods in Virginia or, you know, and, and I understand that. But when given the opportunity where, you you know, deer like path of least resistance, too. They're no different than humans. And that, you know, train of thought. And so we like, we like like transition zones a lot too. So, you know, as you're leading from woods to a field or or something like that, it just seems like that, you know, where are their travel corridors at and where are they, why are they coming and going? Are they leaving from bedding area to go to a food source? Are they going to a water source? You know, where, why are the reasons why they're traveling from point A to B and and trying to figure that out, I guess, um, with their white tail, with the white tail patterns. So I think to, to that point, just to kind of finish that thought there a little bit too, is, you know, a lot of, a lot of times even, you know, the Midwest, we do a lot of fields, whether it be food plots, you got your hay, your hay fields, you know, and um, kind of those open areas, you know, to his, you know, to Kate's point, the transition areas um, that are typically open. That's where guys like to hang their stands, right? You're going to try to take those corners where they can to cut through the field as opposed to, you know, cutting through a thicket, you know, if at all possible. So, a lot of guys like to hang them on the field edges, and for us, you know, there's no trees in those fields, right? And so as much as we like to get the pictures and the videos, because that's always fun, it helps us pattern, helps us understand the inventory that's on the farm. I started learning last year, you know, having been in this product now with Kate for the better part of four years, I started learning, you know, I kept getting popped in the stand. Every time that deer would come in, you know, we all like to hug that field edge as much as possible because you start to slide back two trees, three trees. Now your shooting lanes are getting more difficult. You know, one of the tools, and one of the tactics, I guess, that I started to implement was uh, when they're coming into that shooting lane, that's exactly where I'm putting that, is right in that shooting lane. So when they're coming in, they got wandering eyes, you know, they're looking around. That gives it a focal point. They're focused on that, that scrape site, right, as opposed to popping me maybe in a tree, right, with those little movements. You get busted, you know, you're silhouetted. Um, it's a great distraction tool, right? So we always call this an attraction, but it's also great for, you know, that distraction category. Um, so use it, you know, so we always like to recommend, think about it like, a, you know, it's your strategy. If you're coming in that shooting lane, it's a good stopping point, but it's also a good distraction point, too. Yeah, it's definitely yeah, I mean, good. You can literally place it at 25 yards and use it almost as a, a, a yard marker. Yeah, you know, we got a spot there, like that. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, it's reference, you know, that's 25 yards from me. That deer's five feet off of that, so that's a thirty-yard shot, you know. Yeah. Real quick without having to actually range it. Yeah, we got a spot like that where we use a scrape for a yardage marker to where we know if he's there, he's within twenty, so we're good to go. But I I had that happen to me two years ago during bow season. I had a buck sneak in on me, real thick bedding area, and if he wouldn't have hit a scrape, there's no way I could, I tried to get it on film. There's no way I could have got the camera on him, got my bow out. And did all that if he wasn't focused on that scrape instead of, 
you know, focused on looking around and trying to be aware of his area. Because when they're hitting a scrape, like you said, they're just thrashing around. They're not really focusing. They're making a lot of noise. They can't hear what you're doing. So it's a perfect time to draw on a deer or maneuver a camera or whatever you need to do on the deer to make the shot. Exactly right. So you guys are going around, you know, making mock scrapes. And um, are you putting any scent in your scrapes or like you know on the field edge you're leaving that one just bare or you know in a security cover you're putting some scent in there or have you guys done any experimenting like that well i mean that's a great question um you know like i kind of mentioned before the great part about the product is it allows the user to determine what they want to do um we're not a scent company you know so we don't sit we, we don't push a scent on anybody or anything like that we created a product that allows you to, to recreate a mock scrape. Um, a lot of the footage like that you saw at ATA and the, the content that's on our social media, all that pro, all, all that content is done without any scent. So once we place it out there, the deer start taking it over. They're dispersing their own scent on it. And then it, it just, they take it over after that. Now, with that being said, we're not against it. If, if a user wants to try any type of, scrape enhancer or anything like that, I would encourage it. And I would also say that, it, you know, some people may believe that it may allow that deer to find it faster. Um, we're not, but, you know, we're, we're either way on it. We're, we don't push either way. Like I said, all the content that we've, we've provided has all been sent free and just let the deer naturally take it over themselves. Yeah, that's kind of like ours. We, we uh, don't use any scent in ours, but we have created mock scrapes and, uh, it's been it was key to me shooting the deer I did this year was a scrape that was just a reoccurring scrape and uh they actually broke a limb off it last year and I didn't know if they're going to use it again and then they started using a higher one but if they had broke that limb I mean it would this your product would be perfect to screw right on that tree and it'd been like it never happened so they would frequent it again like they had in the past so. Make sure that, you know, that I'm glad you brought that up. It's a very valid point. And, you know, as our product, it's not, it, it's still an active scrape site. It's something that, you know, they're, they're using, they made, they want to continue to use it. But when that branch breaks, that's where I, we recommend to people, that's what that screw option is really for. It's like, listen, if you've got a really good scrape site going, guys, like keep it there, right? Don't move it around every year. Keep it there. The deer are already trained to go there, so what you're able to do is keep that in place even after they break the natural branch, right? Yeah. And by doing it, you, want it, you can strap it still, but the screw holes with the four pilot holes that are on the product, that's what that was really intended for. So if you've got that stand placement that's just money, right, it's lights out every time you sit it on, you know, Halloween night, right, like that's where you want to keep that scrape site. So that's, I'm glad you brought that point up because we do share that uh, yeah, so suggestion with that a lot of people. A, it's a common thing that happens all the time. Those deer are going to break that branch. Yeah. Um, and that happens, and in, in with our product, the versatility allows you to remove the broken branch and simply place a new one in there virtually in seconds. Yeah, when I look I at a product, I automatically going. start thinking about how I could use it, you know <laughs> what I mean? And when I seen it, I was like, oh, man, that would work really good for this spot, you know, that they broke the right. branch and now they're not using because they they no longer have a licking branch, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's, that's all key. And like you say, when you go out and you start to create some mock scrapes, maybe you go out there and you find that low-hanging branch and, you know, previously, and, and then you're, you're removing all that, the, the grass from underneath it and creating a, 
two or three foot circle underneath it, you know, where they're going to come and start taking it over and, you know, they'll urinate down on the ground below it. Um, they'll rub their face into the branch, rub their uh, preorbital glands on, on the limbs and, and things like that. So, Yeah, and then I guess I guess you could also, if if you had a spot, you know, we have some spots that you start, you know, you start a, it's like a, just a, a pop-up uh, scrape, you know what I mean? It's like something that just happens and then you can tell that it's not getting hit a lot. Well, when I first seen your product, I was like, what would be better than if I went, so I had a scrape there, it was maybe there for a week and now it's gone, but the limb's still, still there. So that, that scent's still holding that, or the limb's still holding the scent. What's better than going up there, cutting that limb off and making a scrape, you know, where you want, want one. And then you have a limb that's already got all the natural scent of your, bu- your, the bucks in your area. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know what's interesting, and I don't know if I mentioned it before or not, but, you know, when I put those cameras out on my farms, I, I bet you I had, within the first three weeks of September and October, for home range deer, I bet I have 75 to 85% of those bucks I'll have on camera. So I'll pretty much know basically about every buck that's kind of in the area um, in a pretty short amount of time because, you know, at the end of the day, deer use licking branches as a communication device. And in and, and pre-rut and rut, they use it frequently. So it's a great way or a great tool to figure out what deer on your property in a short amount of time. <clears throat> And there would be a lot of guys, right, that are probably listening to this, too, that would say, well, I've already got a lot of scrapes, and I put my cameras over them, and, you know, and, and that's all fine. I think, you know, what our, our product really plays, too, is, you know, we, we go back to put it anywhere, right, because I will tell you, I found the best scrape sites in the world, right, that I know the deer are using, but I don't have the option of hanging a stand by that scrape site with the right wind and everything, you know what I mean, to have that perfect shot. Um, just because the tree options we would have are not, you know, um, ideal. So, you know, the idea with this, putting it anywhere, it's like start with where do you want to sit, right? And where's that perfect tree that you're going to hang that stand? Then go ahead and set that scrape site. So that's, a, you know, it's another, I think, good thing to offer up here because that is something that we get, you know, people rebuttal all the time is, you know, I got a lot of scrapes already on the farm. I hang my cameras on them. I'm like, well, that's fine. But, you know, the, the, those guys that are hunting over field edges or near near fields, you know, this is where there's no trees. If you want to have that open field shot, put it out there. I promise you it's going to suck them out there. Um, and, and you can put your cameras out there, obviously. That's that's the best part about these, right, is taking inventory and getting the, the good footage. But, again, from the tree stand, where do you want your stand? Then place that scrape site as opposed to trying to, you know, wrestle the idea of getting a stand in a tree that you'd rather not be in because that's where that scrape site's at. You know, and to kind of feed off of that a little bit, um, you know, common question is, well, how many how many do you recommend out there? You know, really, there's no recipe for that, or there's no exact number. I mean, literally, you're creating a communication site. So if you want to put, you know, one in every single food plot you have to, to create a focal point for deer to come to in every single food plot, I've got a four-acre four open field, and I've got two of them. i got one on each end because the deer come out on one side or they'll come out on the other side. So I've got them where they'll stop at those sites basically in two different points of the field um you know so it, it there is no um uh, exact number but like i said if you can put as many of them out there as you want to and you see it in nature you'll walk to one tree you'll find a scrape you'll walk 15 more yards and you'll find another one not mm-hmm. too far away as well so 
Yeah, I don't think there's really a pattern to. I mean, I think they do it where does are. I understand that. They do it where the does are, you know, during the rut and stuff. But I don't think there's like a you know, a pattern where the buck's like, well, I'm going to make three scrapes. So I'm going to, he's just thrashing around and doing his thing, you know? But I like that you said in a field, because, you know, scrape trees are a huge thing. And I I don't think I'm a lazy hunter at all. I put a ton of work in, but I, I just have never been like, I'm going to go dig a hole and cut down this tree (laughs) and then put this tree in the ground for a scrape. But with this, you drive a T-post, you put a, a tree limb in it, and then you have a scrape tree out in the middle of a field, like you said. And I could see like two different ends where you might need two of them out there for a different wind. You might be able to hunt the field on one wind, on a north and on a south. And that's drawing them out from that security cover. Because you know what big deer do. They they hang on the edge and then they feed just right there on the edge so they can pop back in. But if they have something to pull them out to where you can get that good shot. And like I told you before, your product sells convenience. And for working guys like us that have kids and wives that don't get a lot of time sometimes you can't go out there and and even find the scrapes some guys don't even have the time to go find the scrapes you know so boom let's just create one right here and be done with it you know what i mean your product would have been huge for us this year on on one of the we got a brand new piece instead of walking the whole piece and trying to scout it we could have put one of those up and said we're going to put a mock scrape here and figure out what bucks we got on this property to even see if it's worth our time to hunt it yeah yeah no you're exactly right and you know i know kay just kind of spoke up there a little bit too so and you know we put a lot of work into this and you know to try to drive down our cost of manufacturing but not sacrificing quality right we always said quality is going to be our priority you know if that costs us a little bit more in the production side of it that so be it but we're happy to you know bring that product to market at 34.99 um, listen, we're guys that, you know, before this idea, I mean, there's a lot of stories. We need a lot more time than what, what's probably on this podcast to sit around and talk about the crazy stuff we did with, you know, cutting down trees, replanting trees from the zip ties to, you know, flake pole holders that have a set screw, you know. And it's like, in theory, I, I get it, right, because we got it at that one point. We were doing it, right? But each one of them come with its own challenges, and time is certainly one of those challenges. Um, you know, and it doesn't take long for those branches to break, that thing to fall over, that, you know, that zip tie to snap in the cold or something hits it. Um, you know, so when that branch is done, how much time do you got and how much more material do you got to keep bringing out to the field? So for us, we try to simplify it. Those guys that are doing it still today, kudos to them. Um, you know, we get behind those guys because we, we like the idea of, the, the, you know, building those mock scrapes and using them to your advantage. But um, we hope our product, you know, finds its way into a lot of those guys that are struggling where I'm tired of replanting the tree, exactly to your point, because um, that's who we were and that's where we came from. That's what we were doing, you know, and we're always transparent about that. There's no hidden secrets. And, uh, you know, so at $34.99, we feel really good about it. You know, as we come into 2020, you know, we're working on some really cool stuff to hopefully, you know, um, even bring something a little more interesting to the marketplace uh, to kind of keep building on this concept. So, I'm glad you brought that point up. Yeah, I think it's a good price, and I held it at ATA, and I was like, you know, this is going to be out in the weather. This is going to be in the cold, you know, and it it's it's really well built. You know, you didn't skimp on the quality. So when I got to hold it, I was like, I could see it working, but I need to make sure it's not some fly-by-night, you know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, there's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of companies that sell a product, and they, they uh, you know, they claim this and then it works for two days and then it's done. You know what I mean? So 
I, I really yeah. I really filled it over there and I was like, man, this is this is heavy. I feel like I could throw it in the ground and not break it. You know what I mean? So I'll tell you, you can because the first thing I did was Cade, right? I always I got a product management background and so I, I thoroughly want to test everything, right? So I put it in my freezer at home for a week. You know, this was in our prototype. And then I went outside and I started smoking this thing off the concrete, just wanting to see what was going to be the first thing that broke, you yeah. know, so it gets scarred up, but nothing broke, you know? So I was, I was thoroughly happy with that. Um, and we're, we're in sub, I don't know where, you know, you guys are at, but we're like negative 30, I think this week. And yeah. Kate just put a post out on our page the other day, like, Hey, anybody who's challenged us in cold weather, right? Like, cause our products stand up. If you get colder, negative 32, you shouldn't be deer hunting anyways. Let me just say that. Yeah. Um, but you know, the deer are still coming in, they're still hitting them and you know, the products are standing up. So we're really happy with the quality. Nice. So, uh, I kind of want to go over, you guys are a fairly new company. I don't know. You said you released this October. I know you've been, you know, making your design for a couple years, but what what's some of the challenges of being a new product in the hunting industry? And to go on to that, me and Homie like ATA was our first like big dive into the hunting industry, and there was a lot going on. So I I could imagine for a company that's trying to break into it, you know, we're just like a media out outlook, so we don't really have customer service or anything like that. You know what I mean? And if we do, we mean we just put them in a file and we don't even look at them. But. Uh, <laughs> What's some of the challenges that you guys have faced? I, you know, I guess, you know, any startup company faces these challenges, right? It's, it's all about bringing, bringing the product to market is always going to be the first challenge, right? You know, at what point are you ready to go to market? Are you happy with what you've got? Um, you know, and you know, this next thing is really kind of building the relationships. Um, what are the right relationships that you want to build on? uh with your product and whether that be partnerships that be the vendors um you know and you know listen there's a lot of great influencers on the media side that are out there and um, we want to support them and we want to be able to leverage that in this industry and so uh, we've been spending a lot of time trying to you know kind of have those conversations i think there's a lot of great people but you also you know like any business you want to do business with people that are like-minded and share the same values and so that's been kind of a, you know, we've all, we've known the hunting industry, but as a consumer, so being on the, the manufacturing side of this, there's, um, I would say relationships second to, you know, obviously building the right product and bringing it to market. That's kind of been. Yeah. You know, to tie off, you know, building that right product, you know, like Grant said, we kind of, we took four years to really troubleshoot this because we're really concerned about doing the right thing, making the right product and not rushing it as well. Um, we wanted to make sure it was done right. And, you know, so once we got to the point where we kind of launched and came to market, you know, so right now we just pretty much have a social media presence uh, and an online presence. We're not in any retailers yet. Um, but those conversations after the ATA show are, are starting, which, you know, looking back at ATA, that was our first experience as well. And, and kind of what was our thoughts to it is, wow, I mean, for a business to business convention, a uh, ton of people, a lot of great people we met, a lot of great opportunities are, are starting to present itself. Now, we were in the innovation zone, and you guys were there. You get to see all the big players out in the big booths. And then in the corner, you got all these kind of startup companies, you know, with uh, the neat ideas, and they're trying to get going and trying to, to branch out into this industry. And uh, we were in there, 
and we didn't know what to expect. And uh, we were very pleasantly surprised that, A, the amount of foot traffic that came through, uh, the responses we got from all the people like you guys and self that stopped by the booth, and we were to share, you know, three to five minutes with with each person coming by and, and getting feedback. It, that was really validating to us um, as our takeaway, I guess, from the ATA show. And now we're, we're hitting the ground and, and focusing on some of the other trade shows that are coming up this season. So, Yeah, the Innovation Zone. Me and Homie didn't even touch half the show probably because we had, you know, stuff to do at booths and meetings with people and – buddies that we wanted to hang out with but we, we i made it a point i was like we got to go through the innovation zone because i mean that's like a big step for the companies that are there you know and i think it's that's that's the what i want to see you know i know that i know that there's going to be a new trail cam or a new blind or something but i want to see the new stuff that comes out that you, you never heard of and i think on our end like the media side that's what people people want to see too if there's a new product that that doesn't have a lot of traction because they're new you know, that's that's why we reached out to you is because we think you guys have a good product. We like what you're doing, and you guys deserve to, to get out. You know what I mean? Well, we appreciate that. Yeah, we appreciate it because, I mean, having guys like you, I mean, here's here's reason we're on the phone, right? And and I would say, you know, anybody who's listening, like, you know, that kind of that happened to be there too and, and decided to come to the Innovation Zone, I want to say thank you because – um, there's a lot of great people in the innovation zone and, you know, they're, they're putting all of, all of the cash, they, you know, some people, the retirement, they're putting into a dream that they have with their product. And there is a lot of really neat stuff in there. Um, so thank you for anybody who came to the, you know, the innovation zone and especially thanks to ATA for doing it because yeah. it does give a platform for a lot of startup companies, um, to get in there. And I'll tell you, you know, Cade and I were actually, really surprised at some of the people that came through there from some of the largest, I would say, brands in this industry. Um, and that means a lot to us. It means a lot to the other companies that are in the innovation zone. Um, and, and they get their feedback, you know, it's, it's all, it's all, it's all great feedback. You know, there's no real bad idea cause it's all new and it's all starting to get validated. But, um, so yeah, we, we really enjoyed it. We hope we get a chance to do it again next year. Um, you know, we'll see how this year goes, but yeah, all in all, I think it was good, and we're happy you guys came through there. So you guys mentioned some other trade shows. Do you have anything lined up so maybe that a listener is uh, could could meet you guys and actually see the product on hand? Yeah, so our next trade show um, right now, Kate and I, you know, we committed coming into this year, we're going to do the Iowa Deer Classic. You know, it's really in our backyard. It's a big show. It's a consumer show. Uh, we will be at that show. ATA, obviously, we just wrapped up. Um, there's a couple others we are looking into. Um, here mostly in the Midwest, I would say. Wisconsin. We, yeah. um, later in the year, I think a deer and turkey fest in Wisconsin. Um, we're, we're looking into possibly trying to get a booth there. Um, so, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball this year in, in, on that type of planning. Um, but, you know, the deer class should be our, our first stop. Though That comes the first week in March. Yeah, there's a lot of people that listen to this that are going to the oh, deer yeah. classic. There's a ton. So, and... A lot of people ask if we're going to be there, and and we don't know if we're <laughs> going to make it or not because there's another show that we go to every year. We've been f- for a long time, and it's they schedule it the same week weekend. So I'm like, oh man. So we're going to try to make it to both, but uh, we'll see what happens. Well, if you do stop by and say hi again, and uh, we should have a uh, we had a guy uh, from Kansas 
shot a 203, and uh, he was trying out a product, and he, he went and put it out in his food plot. And uh, he said in three days that deer had started to hit that straight. Wow. And then he was able to harvest that deer later in the season. So it was pretty cool, but we'll have that deer on display, which would be pretty neat. Yeah, oh, full body mount. Sweet. That full body mount. He full did body. Did Man, he went, he went full sin, huh? <laughs> Two two oh three. I'll probably invest in a full body mount too. But um, he did this. He did this a nice thing. He's actually got that deer mounted with his head straight up, like he. I mean, right into a licking branch. Oh, so, nice. Um, awesome, awesome guy and awesome deer that he shot. And uh, yeah, we look forward to having him there with us at the uh, Deer Classic in Iowa. I shot a one ninety two. I ain't going full body. <laughs> two hundred. I might. Two hundred. Two hundred. I'll go full body. I guess. <laughs> Short eight inches and eight thousand dollars. <laughs> so, but yeah, man, full body into a licking branch. That's a that's a pretty sweet yeah. mount. That's kind of a little bit similar to what I'm doing with my buck that I shot this year because the most pictures that we got of him were on a scrape. So, and that's kind of how we patterned him was through scrapes. So, yeah. Some people say, well, listen, I, I would like to. You know, I know. Um, one thing we can do as a follow-up to this, too, and, you know, we would be willing to throw out for you guys and those that are listeners, I think Kate and I can mutually agree right now, we, we would be happy to throw out a couple uh, giveaways if there's a couple free products we can send out to your listeners. If uh, we can find something after this to uh, reach out where we can do a, you know, uh, some sort of process, whether it's likes, shares, whatever, we'll let you guys run it, but we're happy to throw out a couple free products to your listeners. And you guys can kind of manage that giveaway. Oh, um, nice, man. We appreciate that. Yeah. People people love free stuff, and when it's a quality product, they, <laughs> they get behind it even more. So, and, yeah. and I think a lot – I mean, it's good that you guys are new also because there's that, like – I don't know. There's the fresh factor where people are like, man, I, I just want to try this out yeah. you know, and see see what it's like. So I think we need to get a couple and try them out and see see what we think next year and get them yeah, in the field. we'll get you guys to- too. get 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 some picks for you guys at least so so what you hinted a little earlier of uh maybe a future product that you had is that something that you can release or is that something kind of hidden or we'll keep that in our back <laughs> okay we've uh, had multiple people say that and i always ask the question I'm like, i know the answer a little early but, but we've got it's, it's in the works and uh we're fine-tuning some things and we it may be at ATA next year in our nice. as well with, with, All with right. uh, the screen. Well, we'll be we'll be at ATA. So if we don't run into you at the Iowa Classic, we'll definitely see you there. Yeah. Um, uh, as you go, you know the question you guys asked, right? This is what we're talking about with the new design is exactly the right answer. It you know part of the challenges of being a new company in this industry as a manufacturer, um, you got to be agile. You do have to be quick. And uh, when you have a really good idea. Right, you're gonna. They're, they're, while this product is patent pending, but we are expecting to see, um, you know, some new competition arise next year, and and uh, and we're trying to stay ahead of that. Right, and that comes down to innovation to keep innovating, keep enhancing, keep yeah. listening to your customers. What is their feedback? How can we help them? Um, and that's what we're doing right now. We're listening to what happened last year. We're listening to the folks at the show. Um, that's the people we're serving, and um, you know, so all feedback is good feedback, whether it be good or bad. And uh, and that's what I think we're running with here, and we look forward to having something really neat for 2020. And I'm excited for you guys. Yeah, you're looking forward to it. Like you said, you, anything in this industry, you got to be before anybody else, and it's a it's a dog eat dog world out there. And and uh, mm-hmm. 
I feel why you guys didn't want to didn't want to announce it, but I had to ask. You know, what I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a nosy individual when it comes like that. Yeah. So I, hey, listen, I trust you guys, right? I, my competitor may be listening, and I, you know, we love everybody in this industry. It's full of great people. It really is. I mean, at a, all of our core, right? We all enjoy this passion, and uh, I think we can all mutually respect each other with that. But you know, it, it is a uh, it's a competitive industry, and uh, you know, you got to be agile and. Um, you know, protect your IP, do the best job you can do there and, and keep moving. Yeah. Um, you know, that's advice I can give at this point. So where can people find more info about ScrapeStick? ScrapeStick.com. Um, and, you know, our, uh, my partner here, Kay, does an awesome job, obviously, on Facebook. Uh, so check us out, you know, ScrapeStick on Facebook as well as Instagram. And um, and then our website does has a platform there. If you guys want to reach out, if you got questions, there is you know you can reach out to us through the web the website or social media too. We do respond to people that reach out through social media. Uh, everything we're doing today, guys, is direct. Um, we had like I said, we had a great show at ATA. So Kate and I are still working through some pieces, but there's there's a good chance uh, the scrapes that could wind up on some shelves near you, uh, depending on where you live. Um, so as we work through those, we'll be happy to kind of announce those partnerships later. I would say as we get closer to late spring, as we're heading into summer, you know, those things will get solidified. So <clears throat> today it's all direct. It's on a website right now. But, again, you know, hopefully we find some shelves here later this year too. Okay. Yeah, you know, the social media presence, has, it's great for your viewers or your listeners to, to go check us out. Um, Instagram is a great tool that if somebody's curious of how deer respond, We've got a number of videos on there, you know, showing deer interaction with scrapes that we've got on T-posts, on wooden posts, mounted to trees, and uh, it's kind of entertaining to watch. So um, hopefully hopefully, listeners can take bits and pieces from today's uh, podcast and maybe enhance their hunting scenario just a little bit. I guess that's, that's our goal is we're trying to make everybody or, or – educate to, to make I guess hunters uh, a little it. better one step at a time that's kind of what we yeah. try to do <laughs> sometimes we go the opposite direction I think, <laughs> but yeah there's a there's a lot of interesting things out there that can set you in the wrong direction. yeah I think we've all tried some but yeah we feel good about it this is all natural for us you know I mean there's some noise out there today with some of the other attractants um, in the marketplace. Kate and I feel really good about what we, where we stand with our product. Um, so it's, it can be available to all states, right? There's no issues um, with any regulations that are in place or are coming in place. Um, so this is a great tool for some of you that are facing some of those challenges. We would suggest you look into it, you know. Yeah, that's um, a good point. Scrapes isn't a new concept, right? I think we've all been doing them for years. This is just a device. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal your guys's word that just gives convenience. Yeah, convenience uh, is what your your guys are selling. You know, a time saver and convenience is what I mean. And that's what I when I see in the product, I'm like, yeah, man, a T post takes you know 30 seconds to drive a T post in Illinois because we ain't got no rocks. So, <laughs> so 30 <laughs> seconds. I mean, and you and you got your you got your base for a scrape tree and a food plot. So, um, right. And we're gonna put a acre and a half of beans in next year, and we need a way to get them. Mm-hmm. towards one area where our blind's going to be set up so that'd be a perfect spot to throw one of those up and we know they're hitting scrapes up there anyways in that area so it'll just blend right in and be another tool in the arsenal to, to try to kill big buck is the way i look at it 
Oh, we'll put 30 of them in there. We'll give them a nice little <laughs> runway right into that blind. All right, guys. Well, I think we'll end it here. Uh, we appreciate your time. Yeah, likewise. Hey, we appreciate you having us, guys. This has been great. And uh, if you make it to the Deer Classic, make sure you stop by, say hi, and you know, and uh, we'll we'll follow back up with everybody that's you know listening, following your podcast. Make sure that we throw a couple free products out there to the listeners. Well, we appreciate that. All right, man. That was there's a lot of knowledge about scrapes in that one. I'm I'm excited to get the product and try it and see. I, we we know a perfect spot to do it on the north side of the food plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna be fun to try it out, run a camera on it, and and see what it does. Yeah, we talked, uh, you know, last year about this time about stepping up our game on the preseason mock scrapes and Mm -hmm. we didn't really do it even though we did find a perfect opportunity to do it but uh hopefully this will get us a little bit more motivated this year and really follow through with it and um get some good results in the summer i I think up on the north we could use a cedar limb because there's so much cedar up there i think that'd be perfect um opportunity because there was some scrapes up there just to move it out to be able to get that where they would come into that scrape and then turn broadside mm-hmm. out of the blind so i'm super excited about that i uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode um get out there and shed hunt um take your kids when it warms up take your dogs let them get out and run around try to leave a legacy and wipe the legacies out